Welcome to the Musical Movie Marathon with your hosts, David. And Andrew. And we've just finished watching Annie, the 1982 movie based on the 1977 um, Broadway show. Uh, set in the 1930s, in the year 1932 to be exact. And it was such a lovely time. This was my first time watching Annie. Disney Plus, which I've now cancelled, has a version which was produced in the 90s, in 1999. Okay. And um, my dad has seen, but I haven't seen, the 2014 remake. What did you think of this? You've seen this before. How many times have you seen it? Oh, only a couple of times. This might be my third or fourth time I've seen it. Right, well, what do you think? Oh, it's great. It has got all the elements of... A good musical. I think I called it the ultimate feel-good musical right. <laughs> earlier. It's got tons of pathos. I was uh, mentioning a comment about, well, certainly through the first act, maybe the second as well, that it seemed you couldn't go five minutes without another song. Right. <laughs> well, certainly the first act. I don't think so much in the second. Yeah, yeah. So just full of song, full of dance. It's so much like a Broadway musical mm. put on on film. Yeah. With all these, uh, the big Broadway musical dance numbers particularly. Yeah. Um, and the style of music, it's, it's traditional, it's not, I mean, so yeah, it's traditional Broadway musical style music as opposed to something like Grease, which is definitely, mm. you know, rock and roll put on screen. And of course, to a certain extent, they had to go with the period of 1930s mm. uh, kind of music as well, which they sort of did, so yeah. Mm. And lots of tap dancing, which was big in the 30s. Just wonderful. Um, and of course, this, the story is great. There's twists and turns and there's ups and downs. There's heroes and villains and friends save the day. And oh, hey, let's even put a, a shaggy dog in there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can it get any more cute? <laughs> I loved this experience and I'm interested that there are probably a whole bunch of changes the movie made, especially at the last scene. Not the very last dance scene, but the, the climax where she's climbing this big bridge and this bad guy's chasing her and then she gets on this helicopter and, you know, I think that's probably not in the musical. <laughs> but, uh, again, the other funny thing about this, this movie is that the musical is less famous than this version of it. Mm -hmm. When people think of Annie, they think of this movie more than they think of the stage show. Uh, even though it has been remade not only remade, but also revived on Broadway, I believe in 2012 or something like mm -hmm. that. Really, really call back the 30s and 50s movie musicals. Yep. Such mm -hmm. a homage to, the, to that genre, which surprised me being a 70s movie. I didn't mm. expect it to be a period, yeah. but I have heard that musicals set in a period are more successful. So if the musical is modern day, it was less likely to be successful. Okay. You talk about this being the definitive version of Annie, um, and my comment was going to be that when this stage show is put on, and it is still being put on, um, this is the version that they do. So no updated version, This uh, and they try and make it as faithful and as close <laughs> to the movie as possible, a bit like they do with Oliver. They try and make it as close as to those characters as they don't play around with Oliver, mm -hmm. and you don't play around with Annie. And, of course, the reason you do, Oliver and Annie, is because you've got lots of kids who bring lots of parents who bring lots of <laughs> <laughs> audience yeah, to yeah. the moon. Yeah, so Annie is, of course, the, the, the girl equivalent of Oliver. You've got an orphanage of girls, lots of lovely yeah. big dance numbers. And, of course, these little girls were basically gymnasts. Yeah. <laughs> they were just, well, a lot of them were in the, awesome. in the opening scenes anyway. A lot of fun. 
Um, and you've got a core group of about six mm. uh, dancers, singers, actors, and several with some really good voices. Mm. And lots of character. You know, you asked me before we saw this, is this a sort of a satire thing or is this, what is this like? I said, it's just big, it's just extreme and... Mm. Um, and it's very much unlike um, Oliver, which you know could very well be based on uh, on actual events, or, or Newsies, which mm. again is based on actual events. Annie is, is pure fiction. Yeah. Because it's pure fiction, you can put all those really important elements into the story. You can put the mystery in. You can put the car chase in. You can put, yes. <laughs> you know, you can put the fairy dog in. You can yeah. put the comical villains in, and so on, mm. because you don't have to be faithful to any <laughs> story. And so, in that sense, this is the quintessential family musical. Oh yeah. Okay, speaking about the unrealistic plot, which can transition into a discussion on the theme briefly, is the fact, the most unrealistic thing about the plot that most people will say, oh, that'd never happen, is this this rich guy adopting this girl and then spending loads of money (laughs) on not only on her, but also on the hunt for her parents and then calling favours from the police when she goes missing and things like that. And the FBI. And the Hoover. (laughs) But it was just amazing. And I I found it so interesting, the discussions on capitalism and stuff. (laughs) Do do you have any comments before I make any comments about that? It was interesting because they they deliberately name-dropped a whole lot of (laughs) of really important names, Rockefeller and Van de Whoever and and all these really important people. Basically, they're saying he was part of that crowd. The unrealistic bit is that you've got this billionaire semi-adopting an orphan for a week for PR purposes, <laughs> which is, yeah, it's it's a bit unrealistic. But interestingly, in the, the last remake of Annie, mm. that's precisely what happened there, is the Daddy Warbucks equivalent did this for a PR stunt, and, yeah. and the little girl won him over, of course. That was really cool. Which is kind of the main plot of the first half of the movie. Yeah, in the first part of the movie, you've definitely got Annie as the protagonist. She is the one, she's the mother hen of the little girls. Mm. Um, she's also the rat bag. She's the one with the big heart that takes in the dog and mm. um, and sings all the songs to keep the kids cheerful. And so she's very much proactive. The charmer, she charms her way into getting adopted. Mm-hmm. But once she is adopted, so in that sort of second act-ish, then she becomes acted upon rather than proactively creating the drama. Mm, the drama's and, about her. Yeah, yeah. And so to me, the second act, it's more about the secretary arranging all these things for Annie, her relationship with Oliver Warbucks, and basically convincing Warbucks to, to take her on, which she does, of course. Oh, uh, so that's, to, so that's to, not what I meant at all. So to me, the second act is more about... Um, that character rather than Annie. So in terms of who's proactive, who's actually doing stuff, it's her. She's, true, the, one, true. she's the one who convinces Daddy Warbucks to take her on. She does all the bits and pieces. And, yeah. and, and of yeah. course, then we've got that romance mm. going on there. Third act, of course, is all about plot and, yeah. <laughs> and drama. Yeah, and, right. and Annie goes from being the one acted upon to actually being the victim. So, mm. And the proactive one in that act is Daddy Warbucks. Yeah. I find that really interesting. Okay, so there's a few things I want to touch on, and, and the first thing I want to—I want—I'm going to get back to your discussion about the acts. Um, but first, I want to mention the theme of this movie is is less about capitalism and more about oh, sorry, yes. <laughs> niceness. You didn't actually talk about capitalism, no. <laughs> but it's okay. It's actually about this this girl who has such a big heart that she can melt 
the coldest heart, yeah. you know. And I'll briefly comment on the capitalist discussion here that interesting that they fantasized wealth at the same time as problematizing wealth yeah. inequality. Yeah. They had a lot of poor characters. And they didn't have many rich characters, but they had a, uh, a handful. And it seemed like a fantasy world, this this rich thing. And it, they didn't criticize him for being rich. And they didn't criticize him for being capitalist. If anything, they only criticized him for his heartlessness, mm. which was easily melted. And so really, this isn't a very progressive movie in no, that sense. No, 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 no. You know, sometimes I, I like a movie to challenge wealth inequality and other times i like that they go to a deeper issue than mm. than wealth inequality they go to the a personal mm. issue mm. so it's a really interesting way to think about it i'm not a social justice warrior but that little part of me that is wanted daddy warbuck to revolutionize the orphanage or, or get all yeah. of these kids adopted into different families yeah, and or adopt them all and have and turn his house into a, you know their home or something or sponsor a family to adopt them yeah. and to, to so that they would have their own parents each. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so there's lots of, of strings untied here. But um, it's fantasy. But it's fantasy. And, and as I said um, to you before we watched it, you know, these, these characters are extreme characters. Mm. The goodies are so good and the baddies are so bad. The one who steals it for me is Carol Burnett. Yes. She, she is just yes. so good. <laughs> but I'll let you talk about it. Okay, well, well Carol Burnett is not over the top. Uh, she is very uh, naturalistic or authentically mm. drunken, yeah. greedy <laughs> and, and you know, abu verbally abusive. Mm. And you mentioned that she never actually physically abuses the children. Yeah. No. And at the end, when her brother, spoiler alert, when her brother goes off after Annie, she turns good because she actually cares about these children's welfare a little mm. bit, you know? Yeah. So... <laughs> She is running an orphanage for a reason. It's really fascinating, her character. And I just love how over-the-top, how how dramatic, not over-the-top, but dramatic she is. And, yeah. and I, I just adore that. Uh, uh, so many stereotypes in this, including her sexuality, uh, but also uh, racial stereotypes, which oh, would yeah, not yeah. be appropriate today. Yeah. But the theme of Annie's massive heart mm. overcoming mm. is very much like Forrest Gump. And it seems to be a yeah. common theme in feel-good movies, like mm -hmm. Pollyanna, you were yeah. saying, and her optimism, yeah. and this movie, and Forrest Gump's optimism, mm -hmm. and innocence isn't the right word, because Annie isn't really innocent. She's street smart. How would you talk about Annie's cunning? Oh, yeah, well, streetwise, but Annie's secret weapon is her charm. Charm. So, for example, she's taken in by the staff at Daddy Warbucks. He's mm -hmm. not there to, to meet her. He comes in ordering everyone around, discovers her, and says, no, I don't want this, and basically is about to kick her out. When she charms him, <laughs> she follows all the rules of persuasion. <laughs> she agrees with him first, and then she agrees with his motives for having an orphan for PR, and, and you know, she doesn't put him down, and she basically appeals to his higher virtues and values. <laughs> because she's siding with him for all the right reasons. She does that time and time again with the different characters, uh, you know, Miss Hannigan, and she tries it on with girls, and she's still tough. She still had to beat these boys up and... Oh, yeah. In, the, in the alley, and yeah. and you could say, well, uh, you know, fiction-wise, that's story-wise, it's you know, maybe she learned that in the, in the orphanage. You know, she mm. had to stick up for herself. Lots of parallels with Oliver. 
Fagan, you know, Miss Hannigan and um, Annie and Oliver. Annie's more like Artful Dodger. Yep. Right. That's fascinating how you describe Annie's charm, mm. or I would call it cunning. I don't know. <laughs> because I don't know how much of it is sincere. I'm pretty sure when she's charming Daddy Warbuck, she doesn't actually believe that he's doing the right thing. But maybe she she has innocently convinced herself that having an orphan in the house for PR reasons mm. is a good thing. And even if you wanted a boy and not me, that would be fine. I, I love Annie's seemingly genuine humility in that respect. Mm. Seemingly genuine humility when they offer to take her to the movies and when they when she wants Daddy Warbuck to, to take her and and then he won't and then she says how movies are probably not mm. all that much great anyway and it's probably better to not know what she's missing out on. Yeah, and playing the guilt card. Playing the guilt card in a, in a way, yes, but she doesn't seem very manipulative about it. Mm. I don't know, maybe she is, maybe she's not, but but what's fascinating is that you, that's not a very common um, tactic I see anymore. And I don't think that um, a lot of people would like to stoop to that level of agreeing with someone they disagree with. A lot of people would rather just, you know, stick up for what they believe in, including their own personal rights, which someone higher than you is very capable of ignoring. And so putting yourself lower in order that the person higher than you might bring you higher mm. and submit themselves mm. to you because you are putting yourself lower is... is it's a tactic. It's a, it's a tactic, but it's very rare today, and I'm mm. I'm so glad to see it on screen. Um, whether or not it's a good thing, I'm I'm glad. I haven't watched a lot of kids' movies recently, and the ones I have are more animated than mm. real action, live action kids uh, interacting with adults. But yeah, this this idea that kids charming adults into doing what the kids want mm. that was very common in the seventies. Okay, let me comment on what you said before about the acts. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think that this movie has such a strong midpoint. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? A turning point, a critical moment. Yeah, but right in the middle of the movie, not the climax mm -hmm. and not the turning point into Act 3. All right, this is where she... Okay, uh, where she, the midpoint in this movie is where she refuses to be adopted by Daddy Warbuck. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, this is what you are going to say, yeah. The main character, the focus is always Annie, but she, the... That's when she gave him the baton. That's right. Yeah. She gave him the baton, then, and then he and the secretary who mm. becomes mum is also a big part mm. of that, but he is more... Yep. taking the lead in, in that hunt for her parents. Which is just incredible. The Really well written, I say. Yeah. And it's a twist that you were not expecting. You'd expect, yeah. oh, she she'll, she wants to be adopted by this rich family, she, so she'll yeah. just yeah. Be, go along with it. But she she has this hope, uh, very very much like Rey in this new Star Wars trilogy. Oh, true, yeah, yeah. How, how she's hoping for her parents to come mm. back and things like that. Okay. Now, finally, let's get on to the songs. What did you think of the specific songs in it? We've talked about how generally they're very reminiscent of the 30s, mm -hmm. but what do you think about each specific song? The two big standout numbers, of course, tomorrow, and it's a hard knock life, okay. but the very first opening number, I mean, we were, oh. we were choking up. I mean, anyway, she's in this windowsill, she's singing about, you know, mm. her parents and, um, and telling this story, and it's, oh, my goodness, you know. Really powerful. What a way to start a, a movie. Mm. Yeah, awesome. And in fact, I think Newsies tries to do something similar. I don't know if they oh, pull it off. Not in the movie. 
Okay. In the musical, yes. Yeah. The other songs aren't as memorable, but they're fun songs. Mm. Carol Burnett's got a great oh. song. <laughs> Yay, Avalon's got a song. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that that's fun. Even Daddy Warbuck sings half a verse of a, another beautiful pathos song that Annie sings. But there's lots of chorus numbers where the girls are singing or... I think one of the standout moments for me was the welcome to Daddy Warbuck's home. But that's less about the song, more about the dance. Mm. Basically, this... If it was a song, it was an, it was like a 10-minute song. It just went on and on and as she goes up the staircases and as she's out by, you know, wherever she's she's in the gardens mm. and it just the singing and dancing just carries on and on and on. Um, and um, you made the comment, if you don't mind me saying, um, that it was uh, equivalent to Be Our Guest. Mm. Um, animated. Mm. <laughs> um, 80s. Yeah, uh, 90s. Oh, 90s. Yeah. So great, great dancing. And I mentioned, oh, this is the La La Land of the, mm. what I thought was the 70s, but, you know, early 80s. Mm. In the sense that, like La La Land, it's taking the motifs, the dance moves of musicals in the 30s and bringing them back. You know, obviously you've got these beautiful sets and beautiful costumes and beautiful dancers dancing very athletically, but still gracefully. Mm. Very smart, very smart period in, in terms of dress. Yeah, and it was just great to step back in time and watch all these moves. So we talked about Hard Knock Life having a lot of gymnastics in it, this welcome song having lots there. So there's been a good mix, I think, in terms of songs. These solo sort of Annie's got a couple of poor me but I'm hopeful sort of songs. She's got mm. two or three of those. So you've got these good individual songs as well as these fun chorus numbers. Yeah. That's really interesting you say that. There are basically those two, three pathos songs. Mm. There's the one at the start, which gets reprised mm. uh, at least twice. Yep. There's Tomorrow, yep. obviously, which is in the opening credits and yep. is in the closing credits and is sung once <laughs> in the in the show. And there's also the song where she's... Oh, no, when she's saying, saying goodbye mm. to Daddy Warbuck and she's leaving with her quote-unquote parents, she sings a reprise of the original song. I think I like it here is the welcome song. Yeah. Which is fun. Do you think of the music? I, th I thought, here's my take on it, including the dance. It was the 70s version. It was the 70s romanticism of the 30s. Yeah. It was not authentically 30s, yeah. which is really interesting. It's a bit like how Greece is yeah. not authentically 50s music, yeah. rock and roll music either. And it's interesting that the 70s produced not only the the Greece, it was the age in which uh, the 60s revolution had failed that generation and they're thinking, hang on, they're, and they're getting all disillusioned and so they're looking back to the brighter days. Uh, so out comes Greece, out comes Annie. Certainly a lot of dark days in the 70s, yeah. Yeah, lots of trials and tribulations mm. in that decade. Mm. And so they would have really um, related to this mm. depression era, mm. 1930s, and obviously huge fans of musical theatre who wrote this. Yeah. Fans of Oliver, fans of 30s musicals and other things like that. Um, also fans of musical movies that came out in the 70s like Cabaret with Liza Minnelli, which was set in the 1940s uh, during World War II. So I could tell there's similar cinematography in this mm. and in that. There is also 
some similarities uh, to what I've seen of Rocky Horror Picture Show, but maybe that's only because Tim Curry's in, in that <laughs> as well. <laughs> but back onto the songs and the dancing. One moment that really cued me off that this was not very 30s and it was actually way more 70s was the moment that reminded me of fame. Okay, well, hang on. The welcome song reminded me of fame a bit. You know, people dancing in the streets and people yeah. dancing in the in the store. Yeah. And so that that was referenced in this. Mm-hmm. But the other thing uh, was the song We Got Annie, you know? Oh, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, yeah. I was not expecting that song. Right. Yeah. It threw me off. It was <laughs> so... It's basically a reprise of that welcome Kind of. So that welcome song, uh, which we're calling that welcome song, it's, it, it does have a name. I think I'll like it here, I yeah. think. Yeah. That was the first piece of unrealistic dancing, to me at least. Oh, okay. Because I can totally accept children in an orphanage dancing and singing oh, and doing sure. gymnastics on their beds. Yeah. Totally. They're children, and so yeah. that is play to them. And so when they come to the grand big house... Mm. It seems like, in order for me to justify them singing and dancing, it seems like they have put on a show. Yes. They have yeah. choreographed and learnt yeah. this dance routine. And they're all awesome dancers. And they're all awesome dancers. <laughs> and they've done it for Annie. Like, that, because they knew that she was coming, and so yeah. they prepared this massive dance scene for her. But that in itself was really unrealistic. I couldn't, oh, I couldn't imagine an actual... Yeah. It kind of took me out of the movie a bit. It kind of yeah. put me on that, okay, this is, I'm watching a cartoon. Or a Broadway. Yeah. Which is a little disappointing just because I like to be a little more lost yeah, okay. in the movie. Suspend my disbelief a little bit more easily and readily. But they, they got it back. They, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, they got it back by losing all the songs. The In the second act, there's almost no songs. Apart from that goodbye song. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Tomorrow. And Tomorrow is a song that Annie sings in-universe. So she's actually singing for the president. And you can easily imagine the goodbye song being actually sung. It's a moment where a song could naturally be sung by a a normal person. You know, when we're in moments of distress like that or moments where we can't explain what's going on inside us, we need music. And I've, I've experienced that in my life as well when I'm in a position which is too complicated for my heart to understand. I I need some music um, to help with that. The other thing that got me so confused was when we didn't get a heartfelt song. I expected the secretary to have a heartfelt hooray moment. Oh, I'm so glad that I have a daughter and I have some uh, a a man, this man that I've loved seems to love me. Um, moment, mm. uh, and that was, that was missing. I, it was I really missing. That. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was my biggest disappointment. Yeah, in the movie is that, although they obviously show it at, at the end that this is a, a family, mm. and you know, a newly formed family. They don't formally have a song or even some dialogue to say. You know, not, there's not even a proposal that was missing. That was uh, not a very good omission. I'm hoping the stage show had that. Perhaps, but what we got instead is really interesting. We got a ragtime Dixieland Fosse-esque flappers. Uh, what, what, what's that style of 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 ballroom where they throw each other around? Swing dance. Swing dance. Yeah. We got that instead. What is it? 
We got Annie. Oh, we got Annie. That song, we got Annie. It's it's yeah. we got Annie. Yeah. Ragtime style Dixieland oh, yeah. flute saxophone thing oh, clarinet. Yeah, 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 that was incredible number. Just it's a great dance number. Wonderful, yeah. and I'm so glad that we got it. Yeah. Because I love the dance, but we missed the heartfelt song. And so um, it, the other thing about that is that obviously whoever created this mm-hmm. really really loved that aspect of 1930s music and dance oh yeah and they loved the exciting ragtime, ragtime. they yeah. loved swing dance mm-hmm. they loved ragtime they loved Dixieland mm-hmm. so do I and, and that's way more exciting but it has much less pathos and maybe they thought maybe they tried a heartfelt song but it just dragged the the, the movie it, like maybe it slowed down the, I, the story a lot I, and so I, maybe I, that was the their relationship. choice relationship I think, sorry for talking over you, I think the relationship needed that uh, conflict and crisis of the third act mm-hmm. um, to bring Daddy Warbucks to admit that he really does love this, uh, this secretary. And I think that would be the, um, at that time, that would be the moment. You wouldn't necessarily have to slow it down with a song just to slow the pace of the action down. You could have him turning to her and saying that he realises that, you know, she's the one yeah. he's been missing in his life and, and he he cares deeply for her and will she have him. Yeah, it depends on the, the what the musical had that this is missing because this, this movie is only about two hours long okay. and so it is definitely not like Oliver, which is a direct grab from the stage. Everything that is in the musical is on in the movie and that's yeah. why it's a tremendously long movie that we never watch because it's you know three and a half hours long oh, because it's a musical it, it's um but annie has been stripped down it seems and so they may have replaced a song that actually happened between them at the mm-hmm. end mm-hmm. sung by daddy warbuck to her and she obviously w- w- could join in yeah. um and so we're sort of sharing our ignorance here we don't really know but what they do have in the film is a lot of moments that is absolutely impossible to put on stage Yes. So we've got a helicopter. Yeah. We're visiting the president. Yeah. We've got this car chase. Mm-hmm. We've got this uh, dog conflict. Chase. Yeah, dog chase. We've got this uh, conflict on the bridge at the end. And so those kinds of things. So I'm wondering whether, again, sharing my ignorance, I'm wondering if those kinds of things sort of took the time that mm. um, some, of the some of the songs that might have been in the show in the uh, but what they, they did have is they did have this moment in the final number and that the final number was another one of those numbers that completely took me out of the movie yeah. you know yeah. and I'm like oh this is can't we just have a normal family reunion we had to turn <laughs> this last scene where she comes home into a carnival and it's a fun fair with clowns and fireworks yeah, and every, yeah, everyone's yeah, there yeah. and, and the, the Carol Burnett rides an elephant with a flag yeah. that has Annie's name on it. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a little too much for me. I mean, and I just had to sit back and go, okay, okay. Whoever made this really loves musicals and they just put it in. You know, I've got, a, I've got an idea of that. And I'm thinking that this m- movie, musical, is also, as you said right at the start, paying homage. Ragtime, you mentioned, yeah. a little bit of swing dance, not a lot. Paying homage to the Follies and, and paying homage to Singing in the Rain. Yep. There is sort of a Debbie Reynolds lookalike at one yeah. point. And they even had Greta Garbo. Yeah. <laughs> Go figure. So my point is that I wonder whether the movie makers wanted to make the actual movie like a 1930s, 40s movie, which, as we noted when we watched these movies 
had a lot of irrelevant songs <laughs> and, and went over the top and, you know, went sort of out of story, if you like, in order to have a big song and dance number like you would on a stage. I, I wonder if that's one of the reasons that they chose to have those um, big song and dance numbers, mm. apart from the fact that they're a big song and dance number that would have yeah. been on stage. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think there's there's a very good reason to include a, a song and dance in a movie for only because it was in the original Broadway yeah. production or yeah. whatever. So like, I can understand that reasoning. Um, I'd probably still want to trim it, but it'd be hard to not pay homage to that number yeah. if it was completely relevant to the movie. Yeah. I still think they went over the top with that. I think I'd like it here number. <laughs> no, no, the, the welcome song. Yeah, oh, the welcome song. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating that we're saying this. And I think that that's one of I the reasons. That. That, well, yeah, again, we loved it because we love this type of entertainment. Yeah. It's like explosions in an action movie. It's completely irrelevant to the actual plot. Yeah. You know, how many car chases do you need? You know, yeah. it's, it's that sort of thing that we're commenting on now. Um, but I wonder if that's one of the reasons that a lot of people don't like musicals is because you have a bunch of... Uh, ir- um, yeah. Not irrelevant. Irrelevant is a wrong word because sometimes a song is irrelevant to the plot, but it is necessary for the message or for the tone. And what these songs had, it was just out of place. And I think that is the bigger crime. It's not that they didn't contribute. Because they did. They were really relevant to the story. But the tone of them being so massive was seemingly inconsistent with the 1970s filmmaking. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's... Well, that's my reasoning, is that I think they tried to make it like a 1930s sort of story. As much as we have seemingly bashed on this movie, we we love it. I absolutely... Uh, yeah, get it, get it out, get the original out. I don't know what the Disney Plus version is like. The one movie, the one song that we haven't talked about, which I thought was such a, not a show stealer, kind of a show, not really a show stopper. It was the villains' dance. It was Easy Street. I loved that. Oh, that was fun. Easy, yeah. oh, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. Yeah, so you've you've got these. So in the fact, there's two villains' songs. One is a Carol Burnett's. A fun song. Children Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and the second one is, is this Easy Street. It's quite interesting because a few scenes earlier, one of the servants had mentioned, don't count your chickens before they hatch. Mm. And here, this this whole song was based on that. <laughs> I was so pleasantly surprised by Annie's singing. She was a great singer. Absolutely. And, you know, it's so taken off and, and say, oh, she's so terrible. Her voice is, like, so whiny. And But no, no. Uh, it is really nicely produced a lot of the time. And when it's not uh, nicely produced sound proper singing it is only for character reasons and and i think this is that's musical theater singing it's it's not opera it's not pop it's musical theater singing it's realistic it's naturalistic but it's still really well sung by herself annie i think she's well cast and not whiny when you're watching the movie maybe when you're listening to the soundtrack it's going to be super whiny but when you're watching the movie absolutely fits um yeah one of the things i was interested in watching annie i didn't comment to the time was the cinematography, the filming, because there was one for a little song with that um, six-ish of the little girls sing. It's it's around the time that they learn the secret of Annie's parents. And so they have this wonderful song. And there's this, it's a wonderful dance number and it's real fun. Yes. But the camera is always lower than the kids. Ah. And you're always looking up at them from waist up. They're on the couch or they're do- doing whatever they're doing. Well, most of the time, that if it's not below the kids, it's actually at 
the kids level it's not looking down on them and so they are the heroes they are the big people in the, and a lot of the kids moves and scenes were tight mm. so as a group they were really close together and they fitted in, in the frame really well and then you, you'll break away from that like a jazz piece you break away and see a little duet between a couple of people here and a duet between different people here and, and so on and then you come back to this tight group number so there's some really clever um, filming in here and obviously you can't do that on a, on a stage mm, that's true and and that's the same way m- most of the time well half the time they were filming Carol Burnett when she was in a scene with children the camera was at the children's eye level yes which was great and of course it gave Carol this this authority mm. that she really didn't <laughs> well we could spend this last bonus conversation <laughs> so thank you for listening and now have a listen to this bonus conversation which we're recording at the exact same time. (laughs) About the remake. Tell me about the remake.